Hi, I'm Doug Bennett. Welcome to my podcast, Goals Do Come True. In 2004, I wrote 11 goals in a 59p notebook and it got tucked away in the drawer. When I found it again five years later, I found that I'd completed 10 out of 11 of the goals that I'd written down. So I set myself some more challenging goals and I now find myself in a completely different financial position. So listen in to the secrets of how goals do come true. Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome to this week's podcast, Goals Do Come True. Today, I am joined by Mark Baker. I know that you're an amazing goal setter. I mean, you, you know, you've written a book, your Unbreakable Spirit book. Uh, it's very moving. I've, I've read that. Um, so you've got some incredible stories to tell. So crack on, mate. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I, I was actually riddled with, with self with a lack of self-belief at that stage as, as hard as I worked I mean I was working till 11 o'clock at night to qualify for millions on a round table I you know I really worked hard to get there which is too much work to 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 get into that level of business but I was desperate to do it but um and I just in that moment I realized I had very little self-belief as you know from reading my book I was physically and mentally abused for for the first 20 pretty much the first 20 years of my life uh, most of that was psychological and and it and it destroyed me as a person, which is how I got into personal development because I was just really trying to fix myself. But I, as it was in that moment of clarity, I realised that it was a lack of belief in myself. Now we've all heard, you know, all you need to do is believe in yourself. We've all heard that a thousand times through our lives. But if you actually stop and think about it, what does that actually mean? It's, <laughs> it's, it's really tough. You know, it's really it tough actually, to believe in yourself, isn't it? You, you, you do, but. But no one knows how to. If I actually ask you how you believe in yourself right now, you couldn't actually explain it to me. You, you may you may be able to, but for the vast majority of people, they can't. So it started me on this this journey of, of self development, and I, I learned a great deal, and I put it in, into practice. Um, now, one of the techniques that I came across, which was most powerful for setting goals, was visualization. Now, visualization is the most powerful tool that you'll, as, as far as I'm concerned, is one of the most powerful tools that you'll ever engage in in, in your life, and now, there's, there's basically five steps I always recommend people do when it comes to, to visualizing. And first of all is, is know what you want. Now, that might sound like absolute common sense, but very few people actually know what they really want. You know, they might say, well, you know, I'd like to have more money. What does that mean exactly? Yeah, it's not specific well, enough, is it? Well, there's a fiver. There's more money. Yeah. Is that what you yeah. meant? Well, that's yeah. what I meant. But what did yeah. you mean? Well, yes. I don't actually know. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. people... Don't, you've got to be specific on what you want because how can you? Because bearing in mind we said outcome and process, the visualization is the outcome, and the process is the step to get you there. If your goal is to have more money, but you but you haven't got actually a figure in your mind of how much you want, and excuse me for using the analogy of money repeatedly, but it's it's not a bad uh, thing to to use with visualization or goal setting because it's normally a financial aspect to that. So it's not because I'm just money orientated. I'm I'm not. Uh, family is the most important thing to me. But money is freedom to do the things you want with your family. So, yeah. so, so money is always a good example to, to do with these things. But most people don't, just don't know what they want. They haven't given it that much thought. You know, people spend two years planning a wedding, but they don't spend 10 minutes planning a life. And it's, and it's really, really sad that that happens. But then you can't achieve anything if you don't know what it is that you want to achieve. Absolutely right. So two, no, year, two years on a wedding and not even 10 minutes on your life. Yeah, but it's it's true for most people. Yes. Um, well, not you know, and people will say, "Well, that's not true of me." Well, no, it's not true of everybody. No. You know, but you are the except. But the people that don't think like that, and the people that are 
you're utilizing the kind of things that we're talking about, they are a minority. Yes. That's why that's why the majority of the wealth is owned by a very small amount of people. That's why uh, the Pareto principle, you've got 80-20 rule, 20, 20% of the people make 80% of the money. And then in that, you've got the top 5% of the 20%, which make the ridiculous money. You know, when I got into life insurance, the average income, uh, I'm not sure if it's changed much. Um, it probably has. But the average income was 16000 a year and four sales a month, mm-hmm. you know, which is pitifully low. Yes. And when I worked at Allied Dunbar, that was that was pretty much the average because you had, I noticed you had three groups of people. You had the people that came for the first week of the month, did a few sales and then disappeared for three weeks. Then you had the people that didn't come in for three weeks and thought I'd better earn some money. So they came in and sold something the last week of the month. And then you had the grafters that were out there working day in, day out and, and making things happen. So it's not the majority that do these kind of things. It's the minority. Mm-hmm. But all I'm trying to do today is really share some tools that will dramatically transform your chances of moving stratospherically onto the next level. Because I absolutely know, because in my own life, that, that it works. I always, when I went to the Million Dollar Round Table, I had no idea there were different levels in the Million Dollar Round Table. I just wanted to go. I'd read all the old books, Frank Betcher and How I Raised Myself from Failure to Success. And, and the Million Dollar Round Table was just this dream place for me to go. And when I walked in there for the very first time, I noticed these different color ribbons on people. Mm. And, I just, and I just had my name badge because I thought I was a bee's knees because I qualified for the million dollar round table. I need to find out that I really wasn't the bee's knees at all because that was just the bottom bar for entry. A, yeah, the guy standing next to you lapsed more business in a year than you'd written. Yeah. So, yeah. But then I noticed these ribbons and the first ribbon was a blue ribbon with gold writing on it. We said call to the table which was £150,000 in commission at the time. I don't know how these things have changed. This is 20 years ago. And then there was these f- much fewer amount of people had these white ribbons on, on them, which said top of the table. And I, and I, so I inquired because I was so passionate about it. And I started asking, well, what are these white, white ribbons for? They said, well, that's top of the table. I said, well, what's that when it's at home? Mm-hmm. He said, well, it means you've got to earn 250000 or more a year in first-year commissions. And my immediate thought was, Again, because I had limiting beliefs, I could never do that. (laughs) But I really, really wanted to. And I was listening to some great speakers. And um, this may sound crazy and it may sound a little bit American, but I'd made these wonderful American friends, which I'm still friends with today. And we became absolutely great pals. And I was sitting next to a friend of mine called John Ferguson. And we were listening to this speaker. Actually, it was Bob Wyland. I don't know if you saw Bob Mm -hmm. Wyland. He was a Vietnam vet that actually stood on a mine in Vietnam and blew the bottom half of his body off. And he was packed in ice and brought home, barely alive. And, but Bob had a great spirit. And he decided he was going to walk across America from Knott'sville, um, sorry, Knott'sbury Farm in California to, to New York. And he did it over a three-year period on, on his stumps. He had a, like a leather pad on the bottom stump of his body. And he walked across America from one side to the other on his hands. And I just started to cry. Um, and my friends started to cry because we had the same kind of goals. And what it was, was we thought that we actually didn't think, we realized that if this man could walk across America on his hands, then surely we could do top of the table. Absolutely. You know, because, you know, how hard can it be? And it's obviously, well, it's, obviously it's, it's no small thing, but it's, it is, it's a big thing, but in comparison to somebody that's overcome such adversity. And Bob Wyland told this amazing story was when he got into powerlifting. Do you remember the story of the powerlifting? I yeah, I was I was at that meeting. I mean, this is the other thing. Yeah. 
Because yeah. I remember, yeah, um, I'm, I'm not going to steal your fun, thunder, but, you know, go for it. The power. No, well, you thing. probably handed me a handkerchief, yeah. Doug, for all you know. <laughs> yeah, I <laughs> know. Oh, this, this is the crazy but, um, thing. Yeah, but, you know, this, this man, he became the powerlifting champion of America. And then 30 seconds after he was awarded powerlifting champion of America, bearing in mind he's got no bottom half to his body, he was disqualified. Yeah. Do you remember why he was disqualified? Um, because he wasn't standing on the mat or something like that. Well, he wasn't wearing shoes. He wasn't wearing shoes, that's it. Because he wasn't wearing training shoes. Yeah. They well, didn't know what to put them on. <laughs> 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 feet, you know, so they disqualified him. How ridiculous was that? But it was the, it was the tenacity of the man to get what he wanted, and I realised that, that I had to do this. And then later on in, in that event, I was listening to a guy called Bruce Etherington speak from the stage. You probably remember Bruce Etherington. Mm -hmm. And I was just sitting there dumbfounded by Bruce because he was sharing all of these incredible ideas, you know, and I was thinking, why is he telling everybody this? Yeah. <laughs> you know, Keep because, it for yourself, but no. Because he's not going to get any business. You know, yeah, he's going to yeah. lose all of his business. He's yeah. telling it. There's 7,000 people in the audience, <laughs> you know, and he's yeah. telling everyone his secrets. Now, I was, I was sitting down having lunch the next day, and I finished my lunch. I just got up to walk away, and Bruce Etherington, and I forget the other chap's name, sat down just as I went to stand up. And Bruce said to me, he says, um, he says well, you don't be going now. He says, you're in good company. So I sat back down again and started chatting to him. And I said, um, can I ask you a question? And he says, yeah, fire away. He said, well, what is it? I said, well, why do you do that? <laughs> and he looked at me quite confused. He says, why do I do what? I said, you stopped on the stage for an hour yesterday and you gave away all your best ideas. I was so excited by them. But I have to be honest, I'm thinking, I thought it was a bit stupid because you're telling, sharing everything you know. Aren't you worried about the fact that you're going to lose business because everyone's going to be using your ideas? And he burst out laughing. And, it, and it, I'm telling the story because it goes back to everything I'm trying to say to you. He says, Mark, he said, um, he says, if 2% of the audience use one thing I've shared with them, that would be the absolute most. He says, 98% of the people, even at this level, sitting in the audience will do nothing with what I've told them. You know, and that goes back to the difference because it's the, it's nothing to do with the techniques. It's to do with the underlying level of belief that you have in your ability to succeed using the techniques. We always come back to this belief. It's, it's a, it really is a belief issue. Now, I was giving you five steps then, and we digressed a little bit. So I said they'd know what you want. And then I said, but also you've got to describe with detail. There's no point in not knowing what you want. Now, I know this sounds like common sense, but if you actually, most people, they're really honest with themselves. They haven't actually resolved, but they can't, and you can't go for something you can't see, you know, nope. um, I'm going to make more money this year. What a waste of time, absolute waste of time. I'm going to become more healthy. Well, how are you going to get more health? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we need a, you know, we need a yeah. weight, a weight figure. We need, you know, body mass index figures. We need fat percentages and all that sort of stuff. That's the only way you're going to get fitter, right? Well, well absolutely. I mean, With that they, much they, stuff. They they become cliche goals and visions because and cliches don't make goals happen. They don't make visualizations happen. You have to be specific in what you want. And, and like I said, you've got to visualize with emotion. You've got to engage yourself, feel excitement. If, if you're, let's say your goal was to make top of the table, you've got to feel that euphoric feeling on the day that you did it. You finally achieved it. And then you've got to take action. You know, you've got to act on your vision. You've got to act and you've got to act daily. Now, one thing that used to, 
used to sideswipe me when I was much younger in my early 20s. I'd set myself a goal and I'd come across obstacles. Now, I had this erroneous idea that life is easy for other people. You know, that when people, other people do things, you see people being successful and you just imagine that they just set the goal and then they got there. You don't see the struggle in between, you know, and and I used to think I'd set myself a goal and I'd come up against an obstacle then I'd quit and I'd think, oh, I I must be the only person this happens to, you know. (laughs) But the truth of the matter is, is that it's just a change of mindset. You have to embrace the obstacle. and overcoming it because the true joy and achievement is the overcoming of the obstacles. Okay. That's where the that, pleasure is. That's where the pleasure is. It's only in the overcoming that we've actually really achieved something because if it was easy, then what does that kind of Everybody would do it. Everybody would do it. Too. Everybody would be doing it. You know? <laughs> and if it was easy, thank God it's not easy. Now I don't mean to say that to be cruel, but thank God it's not easy because nothing would mean anything. You know, and nothing would work because you if you bought yourself a boat, you'd have no one to maintain it because everyone would have a boat and there'd be no one to maintain them. Yeah. You know, so everything counts. But yes. you know, it's just like it's, it can't be easy. You don't want it to be easy. Otherwise there'd be no joy. So everybody'd be making the same and it would be, you know, it's it just wouldn't make any difference. So accept obstacles as accept obstacles, embrace them. And see them as something that you've got to surmount and not and that they're not a stop sign. So you've got to do that because that's the true joy of any achievement is by the overcoming of obstacles. And I didn't learn that for quite a long time. But again, belief now and focus is one of the most important things. Now, focus actually, have you ever heard of the book The Secret or did you ever read the book The Secret? I've read this, yeah, I've read it a couple of times. Watch the film actually. Yeah, it doesn't work. Is it? <laughs> really doesn't really it doesn't, doesn't work. yeah really it doesn't, doesn't work. Work. you know because, this uh, law of attraction malarkey yeah well you know the, Tosh. i'm not okay the law of attraction isn't um woolly rubbish but this vibrating at levels now people might shoot me down with they're particularly spiritual I, i'm not particularly into vibrating at the same level of the mercedes that you want to get because i'm <laughs> not sure i'm not sure actually how mercedes vibrates so i'm not really sure how i can manifest one into, into, <laughs> into my life but the law of attraction does exist but it just doesn't exist in the way it was represented in the secret mm-hmm. now have you ever heard of something called the reticular activating system i certainly have is right, my you have. favorite part of the brain yeah it's my favorite part of the brain too but that is the actual real law of attraction yeah so so what is that well your reticular activating system is like it's on the top of your brain stem and it's the information screening device much like a good secretary does when somebody's trying to get through to you and your secretary says it's mr so-and-so doug do you want to speak to him and you say no thank you so it's 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 actually an information screening device but it actually is one of the greatest things that to help you get your goals it's it's really the key element one of the key elements next to belief because when we focus on something intently we activate our reticular activating system now i'll give you a couple of examples of this is have you ever bought a car and then suddenly seen them everywhere you look absolutely yeah yeah now most people relate to this anybody listening to this think about this for a moment have you ever bought a car and then suddenly seen them now, you bought this car thinking because you've always wanted it and there's not many people have them. And then suddenly you've got one today and you're driving along the road. One's just overtaken you. One's coming down the other way. You're driving around the multi-story car park looking for a space. And, and every fifth car is the car that you just bought. 
And you're thinking, well, how the hell can these cars be here? Because they, they didn't exist yesterday. Mm-hmm. Now, they're actually, that's not untrue because technically they didn't exist yesterday because they weren't important to you before you got it. You know, you get yourself the new car and it's outside your window of your house and you keep going to the window and looking out at it and you run out and you sit in the car and you take this <laughs> big breath and inhale the smell of the leather. And it's the most important thing to you at that moment. And all of a sudden they just appear everywhere. Okay. And just there's another nice example I like to use with the with ladies as well. Not that ladies don't drive cars because obviously they do, but they'll relate to this one. And I any woman that I've ever met, and I when I say this to them, they always agree. I say, I know one thing that you thought when you became pregnant. I didn't know you then, but I can guarantee I knew what you were thinking. And they say, Well, what is it? And say so you were thinking there must be a baby being born at the moment because everywhere I look I see pregnant women. Okay, and they do because once you become pregnant, what's the most important thing to you? Yeah, it's being pregnant and being pregnant, and that's all you see. Life growing inside of you. So you see it everywhere you go. You see it everywhere you go. You see pregnant women because it's the most important thing. But they weren't there yesterday. Okay, now stop and think about this for a second. The cars weren't there yesterday. The pregnant women weren't there yesterday. Why are they there today? Because you've attached some importance to it. Yeah, because you've attached importance to it and you're focusing on it. Now, when you focus it, now this, by the way, this, the same whole reason for those two examples is that this applies to opportunity and success and goal setting, if you like, you know, and everything else you want in life. Because whatever you attach emotion to and think about and focus on, you'll start seeing opportunities come into your life. You'll start coming, you'll overhear a conversation of somebody that wants life insurance or they've, just, they've got this key man problem or something they'll be listening to. And then you would never have heard that. Because if you weren't an insurance, that conversation means nothing to you and it's not relevant. Yes. If the whole thing is about the reticular activating system and the, and the fact that it is the real law of attraction, which no one seems to actually get because about one person in a thousand I've mentioned this to has only heard of it. You've heard of it because you've studied all this kind of stuff. But most people just just have never heard of it. They have no idea what it is. But it's one of the most powerful things. And your life would be so different if you were taught this at school, by the way. If you were taught to focus and hone in on something because it's like if you think of going on holiday and all of a sudden you open up a magazine or a newspaper and there's a special offer just for the place you want to go. <laughs> you <know>? spooky. <laughs> spooky, isn't it? Spooky. But think about it. This is how our opportunity comes into our lives. When we focus on, we start seeing people, people will, will appear, opportunities will appear that weren't there yesterday because that's what we're focusing on today. And that's, that is in a nutshell, that, that is the real law of attraction. Well, Mark, we could, and we probably will, but obviously people's attentions on podcasts is limited. (laughs) Um, So uh, thank you very much for sharing. I'm sure we'll have another opportunity at some stage to get you on, certainly after your new books come out. We'll we'll find out a, a bit about that and all of the other stories that I know that are wrapped up inside you. But I want to thank you for for joining me this morning and uh we'll we'll put some of your information in the show notes so that we can make sure that people can reach out to you i just want to ask though because i have it in my head and and if you can be as quickly as you know quick as possible on this one fire walking yes right how far have you walked on fire well two years ago i did one for 150 foot I did a 150 foot fire walk. I did that for a young girl with cancer to raise awareness for her. It, secretly, it was a, a world record attempt, but I had an issue after 150 feet 
and but it was that's a very long walk i'll just send you pictures of it it's a monumental walk it doesn't sound like a lot but it's a, it's a long way hold on hold, hold, hold on everybody right normally the walks are about what 20 10, feet no about 10 feet 10 feet a firewalk is traditionally around 10 um, five five six paces yeah so 10, now, now, now bonnie my wife has has done a you know uh one of these um She'd done one of these shorter ones, but 150 feet firewalk. I mean, that is the power of belief. Yeah, Everybody, that yeah, is the power of belief. And the expectation as well. Expectation is one of the biggest factors. I'd like to talk to you about another time about the power of expectation. We will get you on, yeah, we'll Mark. We will, get you, we will get you on. Um, I could listen to you all day long. We are going to stop it here, everybody. But Mark's details will be in the show notes reach out to him on Facebook and LinkedIn and everywhere and get his book, An Unbreakable Spirit. It is an incredible read. And also, you know, check it. He doesn't have many pictures of his family, but they are all absolutely gorgeous. All right, Mark, thank you very much. We'll catch up soon. Thanks, Doug. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to review and subscribe on Apple, Google or Spotify. I'd love to hear about your goals. You can share them with me at dougbennett.co.uk. 